Sacherine's Letters, Letter 2, of Biographia Literaria. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Nicole Lee. Biographia Literaria by Samuel Taylor Coleridge. Sacherine's Letters, Letter 2. To a Lady, Ratzeburg. Meine liebe Freundin. See how natural the German comes for me, though I have not yet been six weeks in the country almost as fluently as english from my neighbour the amtschreiber or public secretary who as often as we meet though it should be half a dozen times in the same day never fails to greet me with damn your plut und eyes my dearest englander wie goes it which is certainly a proof of great generosity on his part these words being his whole stock of english i had however a better reason than the desire of displaying my proficiency for i wish to put you in good humour with a language from the acquirement of which i have promised myself much edification and the means too of communicating a new pleasure to you and your sister during our winter readings and how can i do this better than by pointing out its gallant attention to the ladies our english affix s is i believe confined either to words derived from the latin as actress directress etc or from the french as mistress duchess and the like but the german in enables us to designate the sex in every possible relation of life thus the amtmann's lady is the frau amtmannin the secretary's wife by the by the handsomest woman i have yet seen in germany is die allerliebste frau amtschreiberin the colonel's lady die frau obristin or Connellerin, and even the parson's wife die frau pastorin but i am especially pleased with their freundin which unlike the amica of the romans is seldom used but in its best and purest sense now i know it will be said that a friend is already something more than a friend when a man feels an anxiety to express to himself that this friend is a female but this i deny in that sense at least in which the objection will be made i would hazard the impeachment of heresy rather than abandon my belief that there is a sex in our souls as well as in their perishable garments and he who does not feel it never truly loved a sister nay is not capable even of loving a wife as she deserves to be loved if she indeed be worthy of that holy name now i know my gentle friend what you are murmuring to yourself this is so like him running away after the first bubble that chance has blown off from the surface of his fancy when one is anxious to learn where he is and what he has seen well then that i am settled at ratzeburg with my motives and the particulars of my journey hither will inform you my first letter to him with which doubtless he has edified your whole fireside left me safely landed at hamburg on the elbe stairs at the boom house while standing on the stairs i was amused by the contents of the passage-boat which crosses the river once or twice a day from hamburg to harburg it was stowed close with all people of all nations in all sorts of dresses the men all with pipes in their mouths and these pipes of all shapes and fancies straight and wreathed simple and complex long and short cane clay porcelain wood tin silver and ivory most of them with silver chains and silver bowl covers pipes and boots are the first universal characteristic of the male hamburgers that would strike the eye of a raw traveller but i forget my promise of journalising as much as possible therefore september nineteenth afternoon my companion who you recollect speaks the french language with unusual propriety had formed a kind of confidential acquaintance with the emigrant who appeared to be a man of sense and whose manners were those of a perfect gentleman he seemed about fifty or rather more whatever is unpleasant in french manners from excess in the degree had been softened down by age or affliction and all that is delightful in the kind alacrity and delicacy in little attentions etc remained and without bustle gesticulation or disproportionate eagerness his demeanour exhibited the minute philanthropy of a polished frenchman tempered by the sobriety of the english character disunited from its reserve 
there is something strangely attractive in the character of a gentleman when you apply the word emphatically and yet in that sense of the term which it is more easy to feel than to define it neither includes the possession of high moral excellence nor of necessity even the ornamental graces of manner i have now in my mind's eye a person whose life would scarcely stand scrutiny even in the court of honour much less in that of conscience and his manners if nicely observed would of the two excite an idea of awkwardness rather than of elegance and yet every one who conversed with him felt and acknowledged the gentleman the secret of the matter i believe to be this we feel the gentlemanly character present to us whenever under all the circumstances of social intercourse the trivial not less than the important through the whole detail of his manners and deportment and with the ease of a habit a person shows respect to others in such a way as at the same time implies in his own feelings an habitual and assured anticipation of reciprocal respect from them to himself in short the gentlemanly character arises out of the feeling of equality acting as a habit yet flexible to the varieties of rank and modified without being disturbed or superseded by them this description will perhaps explain to you the ground of one of your own remarks as i was englishing to you the interesting dialogue concerning the causes of the corruption of eloquence what perfect gentlemen these old romans must have been i was impressed i remember with the same feeling at the time i was reading a translation of cicero's philosophical dialogues and of his epistolary correspondence while in pliny's letters i seemed to have a different feeling he gave me the notion of a very fine gentleman you uttered the words as if you had felt that the adjunct had injured the substance and the increased degree altered the kind pliny was the courtier of an absolute monarch cicero an aristocratic republican for this reason the character of gentleman in the sense to which i have confined it is frequent in england rare in france and found where it is found in age or the latest period of manhood while in germany the character is almost unknown but the proper antipathy of a gentleman is to be sought for among the anglo-american democrats i owe this digression as an act of justice to this amiable frenchman and of humiliation for myself for in a little controversy between us on the subject of french poetry he made me feel my own ill behaviour by the silent reproof of contrast and when i afterwards apologised to him for the warmth of my language he answered me with a cheerful expression of surprise and an immediate compliment which a gentleman might both make with dignity and receive with pleasure i was pleased therefore to find it agreed on that we should if possible take up our quarters in the same house my friend went with him in search of an hotel and i to deliver my letters of recommendation i walked onward at a brisk pace enlivened not so much by anything i actually saw as by the confused sense that i was for the first time in my life on the continent of our planet i seemed to myself like a liberated bird that had been hatched in an aviary who now after his first soar of freedom poises himself in the upper air very naturally i began to wonder at all things some for being so like and some for being so unlike the things in england dutch women with large umbrella hats shooting out half a yard before them with a prodigal plumpness of petticoat behind the women of hamburg with caps plaited on the call with silver or gold or both bordered round with stiffened lace which stood out before their eyes but not lower so that the eyes sparkled through it the hanoverian with the fore part of the head bare then a stiff lace standing up like a wall perpendicular on the cap and the cap behind tailed with an enormous quantity of ribbon which lies or tosses on the back their visnomies seemed like a goodly banner spread in defiance of all enemies the ladies all in english dresses all rouged and all with bad teeth which you notice instantly from their contrast to the almost animal too glossy mother-of-pearl whiteness and the regularity of the teeth of the laughing loud-talking countrywomen and servant girls who with their clean white stockings and with slippers without heel quarters tripped along the dirty streets as if they were secured by a charm from the dirt with a lightness too which surprised me 
who had always considered it as one of the annoyances of sleeping in an inn that i had to clatter upstairs in a pair of them the streets narrow to my english nose sufficiently offensive and explaining at first sight the universal use of boots without any appropriate path for the foot passengers the gable ends of the houses all towards the street some in the ordinary triangular form and entire as the botanists say but the greater number notched and scalloped with more than chinese grotesqueness above all i was struck with the profusion of windows so large and so many that the houses look all glass mr pitt's window-tax with its pretty little additionals sprouting out from it like young toadlets on the back of a surinam toad would certainly improve the appearance of the hamburg houses which have a slight summer look not in keeping with their size incongruous with the climate and precluding that feeling of retirement and self-content which one wishes to associate with a house in a noisy city but a conflagration would i fear be the previous requisite to the production of any architectural beauty in hamburg for verily it is a filthy town i moved on and crossed a multitude of ugly bridges with huge black deformities of water-wheels close by them the water intersects the city everywhere and would have furnished to the genius of italy the capabilities of all that is most beautiful and magnificent in architecture it might have been the rival of venice and it is huddle and ugliness stench and stagnation the jungferstieg that is young ladies walk to which my letters directed me made an exception it was a walk or promenade planted with treble rows of elm-trees which being yearly pruned and cropped remained slim and dwarf-like this walk occupies one side of a square piece of water with many swans on it perfectly tame and moving among the swans shoey pleasure-boats with ladies in them rowed by their husbands or lovers some paragraphs have been here omitted thus embarrassed by sad and solemn politeness still more than by broken english it sounded like the voice of an old friend when i heard the emigrant servant inquiring after me he had come for the purpose of guiding me to our hotel through streets and streets i pressed on as happy as a child and i doubt not with a childish expression of wonderment in my busy eyes amused by the wicker wagons with movable benches across them one behind the other these were the hackney coaches amused by the signboards of the shops on which all the articles sold within are painted and that too very exactly though in a grotesque confusion a useful substitute for language in this great mart of nations amused with the incessant tinkling of the shop and house-door bells the bell hanging over each door and struck with a small iron rod at every entrance and exit and finally amused by looking in at the windows as i passed along the ladies and gentlemen drinking coffee or playing cards and the gentlemen all smoking i wished myself a painter that i might have sent you a sketch of one of the card-parties the long pipe of one gentleman rested on the table its bowl half a yard from his mouth fuming like a censer by the fish-pool the other gentleman who was dealing the cards and of course had both hands employed held his pipe in his teeth which hanging down between his knees smoked beside his ankles hogarth himself never drew a more ludicrous distortion both of attitude and physiognomy than this effort occasioned nor was there wanting beside it one of those beautiful female faces which the same hogarth in whom the satirist never extinguished that love of beauty which belonged to him as a poet so often and so gladly introduces as the central figure in a crowd of humorous deformities which figures such is the power of true genius neither acts nor is meant to act as a contrast but diffuses through all and over each of the group a spirit of reconciliation and human kindness and even when the attention is no longer consciously directed to the cause of this feeling still blends its tenderness with our laughter and thus prevents the instructive merriment at the whims of nature or the foibles or humours of our fellow-men from degenerating into the heart poison of contempt or hatred our hotel die wildermann the sign of which was no bad likeness of the landlord who had engrafted on a very grim face a restless grin that was at every man's service and which indeed like an actor rehearsing to himself 
he kept playing in expectation of an occasion for it neither our hotel i say nor its landlord were of the genteelest class but it has one great advantage for a stranger by being in the market-place and the next neighbour of the huge church of st nicholas a church with shops and houses built up against it out of which wens and warts its high massy steeple rises necklace near the top with a round of large gilt balls a better pole-star could scarcely be desired long shall i retain the impression made on my mind by the awful echo so loud and long and tremulous of the deep-toned clock within this church which awoke me at two in the morning from a distressful dream occasioned i believe by the feather-bed which is used here instead of bedclothes i will rather carry my blanket about with me like a wild indian than submit to this abominable custom our emigrant acquaintance was we found an intimate friend of the celebrated abbe de lille and from the large fortune which he possessed under the monarchy had rescued sufficient not only for independence but for respectability he had offended some of his fellow emigrants in london whom he had obliged with considerable sums by a refusal to make further advances and in consequence of their intrigues had received an order to quit the kingdom i thought it one proof of his innocence that he attached no blame either to the alien act or to the minister who had exerted it against him and a still greater that he spoke of london with rapture and of his favourite niece who had married and settled in england with all the fervour and all the pride of a fond parent a man sent by force out of a country obliged to sell out of the stocks at a great loss and exiled from those pleasures and that style of society which habit had rendered essential to his happiness whose predominant feelings were yet all of a private nature resentment for friendship outraged and anguish for domestic affections interrupted such a man i think i could dare warrant guiltless of espionage in any service most of all in that of the present french directory he spoke with ecstasy of paris under the monarchy and yet the particular facts which made up his description left as deep a conviction on my mind of french worthlessness as his own tale had done of emigrant ingratitude since my arrival in germany i have not met a single person even among those who abhor the revolution that spoke with favour or even charity of the french emigrants though the belief of their influence in the organisation of this disastrous war from the horrors of which north germany deems itself only reprieved not secured may have some share in the general aversion with which they are regarded yet i am deeply persuaded that the far greater part is owing to their own profligacy to their treachery and hard-heartedness to each other and the domestic misery or corrupt principles which so many of them have carried into the families of their protectors my heart dilated with honest pride as i recall to mind the stern yet amiable characters of the english patriots who sought refuge on the continent at the restoration oh let not our civil war under the first charles be paralleled with the french revolution in the former the character overflowed from excess of principle in the latter from the fermentation of the dregs the former was a civil war between the virtues and virtuous prejudices of the two parties the latter between the vices the venetian glass of the french monarchy shivered and flew asunder with the working of a double poison september twentieth i was introduced to mr klopstock the brother of the poet who again introduced me to professor eberling an intelligent and lively man though deaf so deaf indeed that it was a painful effort to talk with him as we were obliged to drop our pearls into a huge ear-trumpet from this courteous and kind-hearted man of letters i hope the german literati in general may resemble this first specimen i heard a tolerable italian pun and an interesting anecdote when bonaparte was in italy having been irritated by some instance of perfidy he said in a loud and vehement tone in a public company tis a true proverb gli italiani tutti ladroni and that is the italians all plunderers a lady had the courage to reply non tutti ma buona parte not all but a good part or bonaparte 
this i confess sounded to my ears as one of the many good things that might have been said the anecdote is more valuable for it instances the ways and means of french insinuation hoche had received much information concerning the face of the country from a map of unusual fullness and accuracy the maker of which he heard resided at dusseldorf at the storming of dusseldorf by the french army hoche previously ordered that the house and property of this man should be preserved and entrusted the performance of the order to an officer on whose troop he could rely finding afterwards that the man had escaped before the storming commenced hoche exclaimed he had no reason to flee it is for such men not against them that the french nation makes war and consents to shed the blood of its children you remember milton's sonnet the great emathian conqueror bid spare the house of pindarus when temple and tower went to the ground now though the dusseldorf map-maker may stand in the same relation to the theban bard as the snail that marks its path by lines of film on the wall it creeps over to the eagle that soars sunward and beats the tempest with its wings it does not therefore follow that the jacobin of france may not be as valiant a general and as good a politician as the madman of macedon from professor Eberling's, mr klopstock accompanied my friend and me to his own house where i saw a fine bust of his brother there was a solemn and heavy greatness in his countenance which corresponded to my preconceptions of his style and genius i saw there likewise a very fine portrait of lessing whose works are at present the chief object of my admiration his eyes were uncommonly like mine if anything rather larger and more prominent but the lower part of his face and his nose oh what an exquisite expression of elegance and sensibility there appeared no depth weight or comprehensiveness in the forehead the whole face seemed to say that lessing was a man of quick and voluptuous feelings of an active but light fancy acute yet acute not in the observation of actual life but in the arrangements and management of the ideal world that is in taste and in metaphysics i assure you that i wrote these very words in my memorandum-book with the portrait before my eyes and when i knew nothing of lessing but his name and that he was a german writer of eminence we consumed two hours and more over a bad dinner at the table d'hote patience at a german ordinary smiling at time the germans are the worst cooks in europe there is place for every two persons a bottle of common wine rhenish and claret alternately but in the houses of the opulent during the many and long intervals of the dinner the servants hand round glasses of richer wines at the lord of culpin's they came in this order burgundy madeira port frontiniac pacchiaretti old hock mountain champagne hock again bishop and lastly punch a tolerable quantum methinks the last dish at the ornery viz slices of roast pork for all the larger dishes are brought in cut up and first handed round and then set on the table with stewed prunes and other sweet fruits and this followed by cheese and butter with plates of apples reminded me of shakespeare and shakespeare put it in my head to go to the french comedy bless me why it is worse than our modern english plays the first act informed me that a court-martial is to be held on a count vatron who had drawn his sword on the colonel his brother-in-law the officers plead in his behalf in vain his wife the colonel's sister pleads with most tempestuous agonies in vain she falls into hysterics and faints away to the dropping of the inner curtain in the second act sentence of death is passed on the count his wife as frantic and hysterical as before more so good industrious creature as she could not be the third and last act the wife still frantic very frantic indeed the soldiers just about to fire the handkerchief actually dropped when reprieve reprieve is heard from behind the scenes and in comes prince somebody pardons the count and the wife is still frantic only with joy that was all oh dear lady this is one of the cases in which laughter is followed by melancholy for such is the kind of drama which is now substituted everywhere for shakespeare and racine you well know that i offer violence to my own feelings in joining these names 
but however meanly i may think of the french serious drama even in its most perfect specimens and with whatever right i may complain of its perpetual falsification of the language and of the connections and transitions of thought which nature has appropriated to states of passion still however the french tragedies are consistent works of art and the offspring of great intellectual power preserving a fitness in the parts and a harmony in the whole they form a nature of their own though a false nature still they excite the minds of the spectators to active thought to a striving after ideal excellence the soul is not stupefied into mere sensations by worthless sympathy with our own ordinary sufferings or an empty curiosity for the surprising undignified by the language or the situations which awe and delight the imagination what i would ask of the crowd that press forward to the pantomimic tragedies and weeping comedies of kotzebue and his imitators what are you seeking is it comedy but in the comedy of shakespeare and moliere the more accurate my knowledge and the more profoundly i think the greater is the satisfaction that mingles with my laughter for though the qualities which these writers portray are ludicrous indeed either from the kind or the excess and exquisitely ludicrous yet are they the natural growth of the human mind and such as with more or less change in the drapery i can apply to my own heart or at least to whole classes of my fellow-creatures how often are not the moralist and the metaphysician obliged for the happiest illustrations of general truths and the subordinate laws of human thought and action to quotations not only from the tragic characters but equally from the jakes falstaff and even from the fools and clowns of shakespeare or from the miser hypochondriast and hypocrite of moliere say not that i am recommending abstractions for these class characteristics which constitute the instructiveness of a character are so modified and particularized in each person of the shakespearean drama that life itself does not excite more distinctly that sense of individuality which belongs to real existence paradoxical as it may sound one of the essential properties of geometry is not less essential to dramatic excellence and if i may mention his name without pedantry to a lady aristotle has accordingly required of the poet an involution of the universal in the individual the chief differences are that in geometry it is the universal truth itself which is uppermost in the consciousness in poetry the individual form in which the truth is clothed with the ancients and not less with the elder dramatists of england and france both comedy and tragedy were considered as kinds of poetry they neither sought in comedy to make us laugh merely much less to make us laugh by wry faces accidents of jargon slang phrases for the day or the clothing of commonplace morals in metaphors drawn from the shops or mechanic occupations of their characters nor did they condescend in tragedy to wheedle away the applause of the spectators by representing before them facsimiles of their own mean selves in all their existing meanness or to work on their sluggish sympathies by a pathos not a whit more respectable than the maudlin tears of drunkenness their tragic scenes were meant to affect us indeed but within the bounds of pleasure and in union with the activity both of our understanding and imagination they wished to transport the mind to a sense of its possible greatness and to implant the germs of that greatness during the temporary oblivion of the worthless thing we are and of the peculiar state in which each man happens to be suspending our individual recollections and lulling them to sleep amid the music of nobler thought hold methinks i hear the spokesman of the crowd reply and we will listen to him i am the plaintiff and he the defendant defendant hold are not our modern sentimental plays filled with the best christian morality plaintive yes just as much of it and just that part of it which you can exercise without a single christian virtue without a single sacrifice that is really painful to you just as much as flatters you sends you away pleased with your own hearts and quite reconciled to your vices which can never be thought very ill of when they keep such good company and walk hand in hand with so much compassion and generosity adulation so loathsome that you would spit in the man's face 
who dared offer it to you in a private company unless you interpreted it as insulting irony you appropriate with infinite satisfaction when you share the garbage with a whole sty and gobble it out of a common trough no caesar must pace your boards no antony no royal dane no orestes no andromache d no or as few of them as possible what has a plain citizen of london or hamburg to do with your kings and queens and your old schoolboy pagan heroes besides everybody knows the stories and what curiosity can we feel p what sir not for the manner not for the delightful language of the poet not for the situations the action and reaction of the passions d you are hasty sir the only curiosity we feel is in the story and how can we be anxious concerning the end of a play or be surprised by it when we know how it will turn out p your pardon for having interrupted you we now understand each other you seek then in a tragedy which wise men of old held for the highest effort of human genius the same gratification as that you receive from a new novel the last german romance and other dainties of the day which can be enjoyed but once if you carry these feelings to the sister art of painting michelangelo's sistine chapel and the scripture gallery of raphael can expect no favour from you you know all about them beforehand and are doubtless more familiar with the subjects of those paintings than with the tragic tales of the historic or heroic ages there is a consistency therefore in your preference of contemporary writers for the great men of former times those at least who were deemed great by our ancestors sought so little to gratify this kind of curiosity that they seem to have regarded the story in a not much higher light than the painter regards his canvas as that on not by which they were to display their appropriate excellence no work resembling a tale or romance can well show less variety of invention in the incidents or less anxiety in weaving them together than the don quixote of cervantes its admirers feel the disposition to go back and reperuse some preceding chapter at least ten times for once that they find any eagerness to hurry forwards or open the book on those parts which they best recollect even as we visit those friends oftenest whom we loved most and with whose characters and actions we are the most intimately acquainted in the divine ariosto as his countrymen call this their darling poet i question whether there be a single tale of his own invention or the elements of which were not familiar to the readers of old romance i will pass by the ancient greeks who thought it even necessary to the fable of a tragedy and that its substance should be previously known that there had been at least fifty tragedies with the same title would be one of the motives which determined sophocles and euripides in the choice of electra as a subject but milton d ay milton indeed but do not dr johnson and other great men tell us that nobody now reads milton but as a task p so much the worse for them of whom this can be truly said but why then do you pretend to admire shakespeare the greater part if not all of his dramas were as far as the names and the main instance are concerned already stock plays all the stories at least on which they are built pre-existed in the chronicles ballads or translations of contemporary or preceding english writers why i repeat do you pretend to admire shakespeare is it perhaps that you only pretend to admire him however as one for all you have dismissed the well-known events and personages of history or the epic muse what have you taken in their stead whom has your tragic muse armed with her bowl and dagger the sentimental muse i should have said whom you have seated in the throne of tragedy what heroes has she reared on her buskins d oh our good friends and next-door neighbours honest tradesmen valiant tars high-spirited half-pay officers philanthropic jews virtuous courtesans tender-hearted braziers and sentimental rat-catchers a little bluff or so but all our very generous tender-hearted characters are a little rude or misanthropic and all our misanthropes very tender-hearted p but i pray you friend in what actions great or interesting can such men be engaged d they give away a great deal of money 
find rich dowries for young men and maidens who have all other good qualities they browbeat lords baronets and justices of the peace for they are as bold as hector they rescue stage-coaches at the instant they are falling down precipices carry away infants in the sight of opposing armies and some of our performers act a muscular able-bodied man to such perfection that our dramatic poets who always have the actors in their eye seldom fail to make their favourite male character as strong as samson and then they take such prodigious leaps and what is done on the stage is more striking even than what is acted i once remember such a deafening explosion that i could not hear a word of the play for half an act after it and a little real gunpowder being set fire to at the same time and smelt by all the spectators the naturalness of the scene was quite astonishing p but how can you connect with such men and such actions that dependence of thousands on the fate of one which gives so lofty an interest to the personages of shakespeare and the greek tragedians how can you connect with them that sublimest of all feelings the power of destiny and the controlling might of heaven which seems to elevate the characters which sink beneath its irresistible blow d oh mere fancies we seek and find on the present stage our own wants and passions our own vexations losses and embarrassments p it is your own poor petty-fogging nature then which you desire to have represented before you not human nature in its height and vigour but surely you might find the former with all its joys and sorrows more conveniently in your own houses and parishes d true but here comes a difference fortune is blind but the poet has his eyes open and is besides as complaisant as fortune is capricious he makes everything turn out exactly as we would wish it he gratifies us by representing those as hateful or contemptible whom we hate and wish to despise p aside that is he gratifies your envy by libelling your superiors d he makes all those precise moralists who affect to be better than their neighbours turn out at last abject hypocrites traitors and hard-hearted villains and your men of spirit who take their girl in their glass with equal freedom prove the true men of honour and that no part of the audience may remain unsatisfied reform in the last scene and leave no doubt in the minds of the ladies that they will make most faithful and excellent husbands though it does seem a pity that they should be obliged to get rid of qualities which had made them so interesting besides the poor become rich all at once and in the final matrimonial choice the opulent and high-born themselves are made to confess that virtue is the only true nobility and that a lovely woman is a dowry of herself p excellent but you have forgotten those brilliant flashes of loyalty those patriotic praises of the king and old england which especially if conveyed in a metaphor from the ship or the shop so often solicit and so unfailingly receive the public plaudit i give your prudence credit for the omission for the whole system of your drama is a moral and intellectual jacobinism of the most dangerous kind and those commonplace rants of loyalty are no better than hypocrisy in your playwrights and your own sympathy with them a gross self-delusion for the whole secret of dramatic popularity consists with you in the confusion and subversion of the natural order of things their causes and their effects in the excitement of surprise by representing the qualities of liberality refined feeling and a nice sense of honour those things rather which pass among you for such in persons and in classes of life where experience teaches us least to expect them and in rewarding with all the sympathies that are the dues of virtue those criminals whom law reason and religion have excommunicated from our esteem and now good-night truly i might have written this last sheet without having gone to germany but i fancied myself talking to you by your own fireside and can you think it a small pleasure to me to forget now and then that i am not there besides you and my other good friends have made up your minds to me as i am and from whatever place i write you will expect that part of my travels will consist of excursions in my own mind end of saturnine's letters letter two